brought to you by the good folks at Guadney Buick GMC, next to Sam's in North Little Rock. This is Guadney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine here. we got an interesting topic today. We are talking with Ray Bennett. He is a beekeeper. He's into bees. He lives up here in Cabot. How are you, Ray? I am doing well, Scott. That's that's a great Uh, thing. Now, you always lived in Cabot? I've been here 32 years. I'm a transplant. That's a pretty long time, though. <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty much uh, a cabinet uh, fellow now. I I've retired and I've I've chose to spend my retirement here too. So what, cabinet's an awesome place. What was your first exposure to bees? I think this is kind of fascinating. Well, my first exposure was just I, I saw beekeeping uh, video on YouTube. And really. And I thought, you know, that would fit well because I've come off a farm. I've always farmed, and bees were, you know, an an active part of that, but I never thought about keeping them. Right. And so when I saw that, and and, uh, about five years ago or six years ago, I decided I'm going to do it. So uh, I I bit the bullet, ordered me a set of bees, uh, wasn't prepared at all, didn't didn't do the proper steps, but... uh, Along the way, I've I've learned a, a, a valuable lesson or two, and I'd love to share it with people because it's not a secret. Yeah, <laughs> is it as popular now as it was? Oh, it's absolutely more popular. A lot of backyard beekeepers are really coming into it uh, now. We do have some commercial beekeepers here in Cabot. I know of one fellow; he has th- like thirty-five hives. Oh my gosh! Yes, and you talk about a full-time job. He don't take a vacation because <laughs> he's his those bees are his life. Uh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to need tending to. They, I guess. they do, and the old adage that you only get out what you put into it really applies to bees. And we don't have a lot of problems with bees, but there's three major problems you have. There's three different insects that that will affect your hive, and it will also uh, reduce the amount of honey you get and not kept in check will actually kill the hive. What is that? that's bad. What are the three things? (laughs) Well, you've got the the beetles, the small hive beetles, you've got the wax moth, and then you've got a, uh, a little mite that gets in them. And so you constantly need to be looking at your hive uh, you know, if the weather permits, once a week, uh, pop a lid off that thing and, and look at you boys and see how they're doing. And uh, if you detect any problem, then you need to address it pretty quick. Does this beetle imitate bees or how does well, I mean, it goes right up where happens, they live? Yeah, the, the beetle actually uh, comes up out of the ground under the hive most of the time. And it'll come in, and it'll get in your hive, and it'll lay eggs in your cells, and then those eggs will hatch into larvae, and that's what does the damage. Those larvae will kill the young bees and, and will eat out the in the cells where the young bees are being produced. They'll take over that. And they are ferocious when they get started. Uh. You've got to get a hold of them. But a lot of simple, good organic uh, remedies for it. And one of the basic ones is uh, your uh, diatomaceous earth, believe it or not. A certain kind of dirt? No, it's actually a a refined 
rock i guess you would call it it's and it's real fine powder and it's white and i mean it's absolutely safe for humans to eat drink whatever but you keep that spread under your beehives to keep the ones from underneath coming up into your hives but then once they get in then there's a beetle trap that you need to put in in fact i was in my hive yesterday guess what i got beetles uh, so guess what I'm putting out today? Some Beetle of that. traps, a diatomaceous earth. <laughs> you got to stay on top of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's the thing about with the bees. Uh, if you're not willing to go out and work with them, now when I do stuff like that, I rarely ever suit up. But, really? But when I go for honey, I go ahead and put my stuff on. <laughs> How much honey comes out at one time? I mean, well, you get a jar's worth? Yeah. Uh, when I get a, 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 one of my supers is full, I'll get from 40 or so pounds of honey, which translates into probably 20 uh, half-pint jars or 25. You get a good amount of honey if you keep a healthy hive that works. And your bees that uh, are in the hive and are working – they don't have a long lifespan. I don't know if people don't realize, but bees only live about three weeks. They work themselves to death. No kidding. Yeah. And, and of course, mama in there, she's laying new babies every day, and they're hatching. They're replenishing. And, and if you've got a good, strong queen, she'll try to give you more than what we lose. So the hive just gets stronger and stronger, which translates into more honey, more mm-hmm. honey. And that's the name of the game. Is there any refining to the honey? You're absolutely much not. There, honey is one of the few things that never spoils. You can take a jar of it and keep it a hundred years, and you're good. And, and you're good is it the day you put it in that jar? Now it may turn to sugar and solidify. No problem. Put her in hot water, let her soak, and it'll rejuvenate itself right back to the pure state. And right here in, in Cabot. You know, we have an, an older population, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of retirees and stuff. And when you get our age, allergies seem to be a pretty good thing. Never had an allergy in my life till I passed about 70. I got some now. But honey, our local honey from right where you live is one of the best medicines for that that you can ever get. What do they say, a teaspoon a day? Uh yeah, I and but I do more than that. Do you? <laughs> I do. Well, you make it. I love honey. You got the free uh, supply. I do it on my on my waffles and my pancakes. Ugh. It's good sweetener for coffee or tea. Uh, it it can be substituted for a lot of things in your diet. But the raw now I I do strain mine. Uh, when I pull the raw honey right out of the hives, right off of the uh, frames, and and I spin it out. Uh, you, you have a little bit of trash in there, and it's the, it's the legs off of some of the bees that, mm-hmm. that break off. And so I strain all that out. That's all I do to it. Run it through a strainer and cheesecloth. It's like orange juice with pulp. Exactly. <laughs> I want to clean it. I want to make it, you know, like it should be. But uh, you should never pasteurize or heat your honey. I got you. The little bit that I do at the end that's that's left on the wax after I've refined my honey, uh, you uncap your frames, and all of that capping has a little bit of honey on it. Well, to extract that, you have to warm it up. And when I do that, well, I don't sell that. I give that to me, and uh, I consume that. 
because it's not in the pure state. Ah. Yeah, it's it's close to being uh, what we do to milk, you know. Hey, Ray, I always hear the thing about if there were no honeybees, everything on earth would die. Can Absolutely. you explain that? Well, you you have to have the, the pollen from one plant, and it's not the nectar. Now, bees do two things. They gather nectar, and they gather pollen. Okay. And the nectar is what turns into honey. Pollen's what turns into your wax to make your, your cone and everything. But the bees have to take that pollen from one, one, one blossom to the next blossom. If that doesn't happen, you have no fruit, you have no vegetables, you don't have anything. And that happens only through honey bees. And I don't know of anybody that can go out with a feather and pollen a hundred acres of strawberries. <laughs> Do you? No, every I don't blossom know. has yeah. to go one to the other, and you'd have to take a little feather. And you could do this, yeah. But who in the world could do that? But a honeybee can work that every day, all day long, and our bees will travel up to about five miles from their hive if they need to to get food. Do the, other hives get along with other hives? Hives stay separate. Yeah. Nobody goes and visits nobody else. Wow. That doesn't happen. This bunch of bees <laughs> stays in their box, and this bunch stays in their box. <laughs> they're just, they're not sociable. They just don't work that way. <laughs> it just works. That's just the way they are. But it all goes back to the queen that, that lays those eggs and produces all those babies that is of one strain that stay together. And uh, they communicate as that when, when a bee goes out and finds a good patch of flowers, really good. Boy, he, he, he marks that trail all the way back to the hive. And then when, when the others go, they follow it. They go right back to it. And they do it consistently and accurately. And they don't even have a jet engine or a compass. Can GPS? you imagine that? Yeah. Just, I guess it's... Uh, God-given uh, yeah, intelligence they have, that they can go do that. And if they didn't do that, we would absolutely starve to death as a country and a nation. Uh, the bees is what keeps food on the table and fruit in the fruit basket, nuts in the nuts. Yeah. It just, it's it's just essential. It, it is essential. And that's the reason we do have quite a few commercial uh, bee outfits that uh, they go to different large farms with tractor and trailers, load of bee boxes, and they set them all through these farms all during the summer. And they, they pollen all these trees or, or fruits or vegetables that the farmer has. Then in the fall, he comes and pulls his beehives, pulls his honey, and he'll take his bees, and a lot of them will put them in a storage building mm -hmm. in the dark, in the cold, and they will, the bees will go into almost like a, a suspended hibernation, but they go down, and they don't do anything. And they'll sit there all winter, and then come spring, they'll load them back on the trucks and head back to the fields. So if they open all these, say, five boxes on the tailgate of the truck, those bees will come back to the box they came out of? Yes, it, you can take them and, and you put a box down and those bees that are in that box will always come back to that box. They will <laughs> not. Wild. They will not touch another box. The bees won't let them. For one thing, you have guard bees in the front of your box. They keep out wasp. They keep out other bees. That's so their total job. And they know, hey, you're not hey, from our... They're pheromones. 
and that's that's what guides them. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. But now when we go to work those bees, uh, we don't want those pheromones present because if a bee comes out and stings you right there on the arm, he sends out pheromones, and if there's a hundred others that can read that, they'll come and sting you. Oh, boy. Yeah, so when we work them, we take the smoke, and you put a lot of smoke out, and it coats those little antennas on there, and it disorients them. They, they can't tell where that's coming from, so they don't get excited. I didn't know what the smoke was for. That's what it's for. It's just a common agent. Well, it confuses them. They just can't read the danger sign. And you're better off to, to, and you use your smoke lightly mm-hmm. and use only smoke from good organic material. Don't put anything in there that's had chemicals on it, like treated pine oh, or something. Uh, don't do that. I use pine needles off the ground. I gather them sure. up off the ground. Put in my smoker, pack it real tight in the bottom. You light that smoker up with a little torch, and when that gets to burning, then you take handfuls and just pack into that that smoker because you want to smother the flame. All you want is the smoke. You just want the smoke. Yeah, and you as you pack it in, you pump your ballast just a little just to keep it going, and once you get her, then you go to your hive. First thing, pump a little in the front door. <laughs> go around to the back of that hive then, and that's when you open it and work it. When you take the top off, just a couple of squirts of uh, smoke, and those little bees will settle right down, and you do your deal. And then somebody got the fire stung out of them before they figured this out. <laughs> I get it. Well, I think a lot of people had noticed in the wild when when you have forest fires, mm-hmm. bees tend to just just not do anything. They're confused. They're confused. And so, well, if that smoke will do it there, I bet my smoke will do the same yeah. thing. And eventually, and for the past 100 years, we've been doing that. That's smart. And it works really well. So tell me, you got one hive, all these bees are swarming, people are familiar with that. There's one queen. How much bigger is the queen? And, and is there ever a time where someone might would see a queen out in the wild Yes. And could tell the difference. There's there's a time you'll see a, a queen outside the box. Uh, in early spring now, in March and April, our bees go through what we call a swarm cycle. What happens, the queen has laid eggs, and she's laid a queen uh, egg that will produce another queen. Really? Yes. And you got to remember, when that hatches, there's not room for two of them in that box. One of them has to go. So she'll take about a third to a half of that colony and swarm out and go find a home somewhere else. And when they find that home, all that she took with her, they will stay with her, and that's that's their mama. That's incredible. It is. And and the queen, she's only about one and a half times size bigger than a worker bee. Uh, it, it's a drone, they call them. And they're hard to really tell unless you look at them on a daily basis. I, f- I dare say the average beekeeper, if his queen is not marked, he can't find her. Because she's not that much bigger? She's not that much bigger. But if you get used to seeing it, you can understand. And she, her wings are just a little bit longer. Her body's a little bit longer. And she rarely ever flies, but she walks around, and her sole purpose is to go to those uh, those empty cells and lay an egg, and then the workers come in and put the food in there. They cap that thing for the next baby to hatch. 
And That's she, wild. She does it over and over. And a good, healthy queen, a young queen, is is everything that a hive is. Without it, you ain't got much. So if the bees live three weeks, how long yeah, does the three, queen live? The, we'll normally keep a queen about two to three years. You'll watch your hive. If it looks like production's coming down, uh, what you do is you go in and you, you get rid of her and you put in a new queen. You can buy a new queen, but you can't just turn her loose in that box. Now, they'll kill her just as soon as you turn her loose. They come in a little box with a little sugar cube in it, and it's got screen wire on each side. And all these bees in there crawl around over that box and, and get her pheromones and get accustomed to her. And there's a little sugar cube in the end of that box. And time they chew that sugar and eat it and release her, she's good to go. They accept her. You got a you got a good queen going, but two to three years is a life of a queen, and uh, you got to watch your hives. If you don't want them swarm, you get in there and kill those uh, uh, <laughs> eggs that are going to produce another queen because you can't have two. Does that take every time when you introduce in this new queen in this little box? I mean, that pretty every much time. works. You don't have a choice. That's the way it works. That is wild. It is. And and that's the reason. Now, she's the, the second queen, if you have one, has been hatched in your box with these worker bees. And the ones that are around her has her pheromones and knows and recognizes them. So they'll take her when they, they get ready to leave. They'll take her and go with her. And, and they're paired up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they do it for life. That is wild. <laughs> so, you know, when we go to the grocery store and we, we see several brands of honey, uh-huh. how do these large-scale operations work? I mean, that's got to be a totally different thing than uh, you're in your backyard. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they, there's, a, there's one in Canada. This guy has 2,500 boxes. Wow. And he works it as a commercial. That's his living. And, but now, that honey is... is done just like I do mine, extracted, but then they have to uh, pasteurize it with heat, and you lose your benefit of the uh, allergy uh, effect for that area, but now they're selling nationwide, worldwide, and so they have to pasteurize to meet FDA so that honey probably doesn't have the same effect on you it as won't have any, It just tastes good. It's just sweet and it's pretty. Yeah. yeah. And but if you want the the real medicinal purposes, you have to do the local in your area. I suggest if you're in Cabot, buy honey in Cabot. Yeah. If you're in Jacksonville, buy Jacksonville. We're not that far apart, but now it can be a big difference in the pollen that's in the air from what is grown uh, in that area. That is so wild. It is. And and so if the closer you can keep it to your place and the, and, the, and the more organic you can keep it and in the raw state uh you'll get the benefit and it won't take long i mean how many people would it take to work 2500 boxes of bees well, he has i think it's four workers he has big trucks he goes out and feeds his out of a tanker truck when i feed mine <laughs> i do mine in a quart jar yeah <laughs> He does his in a tanker truck, and when he hauls them, he goes out with a machine and picks them, and he'll stack uh, 150 on the back of a truck and take it to the processing plant, take a, a forklift and unload them and run them in on conveyor belts. They got machines that'll uncap it. He'll spin it, and uh, 
it's just it's just a wild process. That, yeah, it uh, is. That uh, it's it's something that uh, people don't realize what it takes to be a beekeeper, and uh, if you're not willing to put the time in and uh, the expense, a, a decent bee suit's going to cost you 150 bucks. Sure. And then you're gonna have to have smokers. Then you're gonna have to have hive twos. Then and and uh, you're gonna have to have. I've, I have the spinner. You got to have the buckets to put it in, and you know, strainers and and stuff. Uh, it's you know you tie up a, a pretty good bit in it. So far, it sounds cheaper than messing with my old cars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> get rid of all them old trucks. Get some bees. There you go. <laughs> you It'll know? keep you at home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you won't go to the parts houses often. <laughs> yeah, I, they, yeah, uh, they go but, out of business uh, around here. I really I enjoy that. my bees. Uh, I've uh, I, I try to keep two to three. Uh, hives at, at any given time and are they most active right now the the bees are fairly active in the middle of the day of the morning they're not this morning i went out mine needed feed so i changed my feeder jars and there wasn't a single bee outside but at times of year is springtime oh. the big time oh springtime is is the biggie that's when we call it the nectar flow is in that's when your bees get out because most everything's blooming yeah that's true. Boy, midsummer, uh, August is, is hard on bees. Stuff's already bloomed, and there's not yeah. much out there to forage on. So I supplement mine with, with the sugar water and the uh, 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 cakes, at, uh, protein cakes for bees. Fall, they kind of drop off. You don't well, get honey all year long. Summer, the, the midsummer is the hardest part. Uh, fall, now we have a lot of stuff that blooms in the fall, so you get a little nectar run in the fall and uh, that does help and uh when your bees when you're ready to go into the winter at the end of fall uh if you're not prepared to feed them you need to leave them roughly on a on a decent hive you need to leave them 50 pounds of honey in the box because they will live on that they will uncap that and eat it and survive uh if you've taken all the honey all summer down to to the to the winter then you'll need to supplement them uh with with sugar water and uh, i got you so uh it's just you know it's give and take on it do you want the honey for yourself or do you want to buy the sugar you know it's just it's just whatever is your fancy on that i if i run into the uh, to the point I, i feel like i need the honey guess what I'm going to harvest it, and I'm going to feed them then sugar water. (laughs) Uh, So tell me, you know, people are familiar with seeing bees, and then occasionally you see the great big bee, and people mm -hmm. say, well, that's a bumblebee or that. Mm -hmm. What are the bees that are in Arkansas? Well, now the ones I have are called Italian bees. Uh, They're the most docile uh, of the bee variety. Uh, Are they they native to here? No. They're, they're brought in. That's the reason they're called Italian bees. They're bred and, and imported. was years and years ago. Now they're bred here. We have great places here to buy bees, and they, they raise them, and they raise queens and stuff. We've got a, a great one right below Little Rock there. Uh, if anybody's interested, they, they just go online and look up beekeeping supplies. He'll come right up. And, and it's local, and, so you can drive yeah, to where you yes, get all that stuff. Absolutely. And if you want to start with uh, with bees, there's two ways you can start. You can start with a three-pound box, or you can start with what they call a nook. 
the three pound box uh, has about uh, probably uh, 10,000 bees in it. Oh, wow. Plus a queen. And she's in a separate cage, of course. And then the nook you get, it's a little bigger box. It has five frames in it with the bees, and the queen is in there. And it costs a little more, but you get a lot more bees. So it's just kind of what your 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 wallet is and how quick you think you want to harvest honey as to what you buy. When you harvest honey, are you keeping that hive part or, or are you just draining it? Well, what, what we do is we, we pull, that, there are frames in there. Mine ha- I, I do nine frames. Uh, the box will hold ten, but I do nine to give a little more space because those bees sometimes will build those uh, frames together. And they're hard to get out when they're welded together with honey, but... You you pull those out and you take a hot knife and you just slide right up and you uncap it and take the little thin layer of wax off of that honeycomb and then you put that in the spinner and you spin it and it slings the honey out but leaves the wax. The wax cone is still there. All you're getting is the honey. <laughs> and I, gotcha. I, I don't deal in wax, so I take the wax and I put it back in boxes to help help my bees to get a head start on making the next honey. They don't have to build that that cone. It's already there. Mm-hmm. They All they got to do is repair the end that I cut off, and then they start putting nectar right in there. You got a head start. Got a head start. Do any, any other insects, like everyone knows yellow jackets and yeah. wasps, do any of them do a similar job that what bees do? No, they just want to get in there and get to honey. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, really. and, and the and the bees have to keep them run off, uh, and that's I, what the guard bees. Yeah, do. that's the guard bees' job right there at the door. <laughs> Those yellow jacks, especially, oh, they love honey and love the smell of it, and they know where it's at. That's just wild. <laughs> is it true bees die if they sting you? Yes, it is. They 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 are they have a one time sting and they're done. That's their their it. life is ended. They've committed. Uh, the ultimate sin. <laughs> so how often have you been stung? Uh, I probably will average getting stung oh, three or four times a year. And that's it. Does it affect you or is it any uh, different I, than? Uh, only if they leave the stinger in there, then I'll have to take a, a, a little sharp knife and slide over it and pull the stinger out. But <laughs> other than that, I'm pretty much doesn't bother me too bad you were, but i don't like it uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> so i understand the weather has to do with their temperament you were saying if it's oh. nice and sunny out they're calm yes absolutely and you want a nice sunny warm day and you'd like to do it midday or, or early afternoon uh because that's when there's the least amount of bees in the hive they're out working oh. so you don't have to contend with fifty thousand. you may only have fifteen thousand left in the box so do it and then it takes less smoke it takes less time to get in do your job and and out and uh, it just uh, a cloudy cool day their temperament is terrible they are short-tempered short-fused aggressive even my wild? gentle bees they just don't want messed with. Leave me alone. It's cold. It's wet or whatever. Don't open my box. <laughs> so, I mean, pardon my ignorance because I don't know any much about this, but 
when your bees, it's warm and they're out for the day. They're out around your house somewhere. Yeah, or my neighbor's house or three blocks away or 20 blocks. Uh, but they're coming back to your house. Coming back to my house to their box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating, though. They're, they're running around your neighborhood, uh-huh. but they know to come back to your house. Every time, every day. It's, uh, you, you don't lose a bee because it gets lost. That never happens. That's the interesting thing, because you said, like, your bees are imported from uh-huh. Italy or yeah, whatever. That's where they were originally from. Now, I bought them from a local guy that had raised them right below Little Rock. But so, it's not like when we hear in Florida the invasive no, pythons no. running yeah. around, because they're always coming back to where they started. Exactly, yeah. They never get out of control. Uh, as far as numbers, they don't uh, get any more aggressive than what they are when they're hatched. So, uh, they're, my grandkids walk out and play in the yard all the time, and I've not had one of them stung. And my grandkids, uh, seven, eight years old, nine years old, and you know when they come to grandpa's house, they get to do anything they want to. Of course they do. Mine do too. <laughs> they go out and they'll they'll look at them bees. I said you'd walk right up there. You walk right, just stand there and look at them and watch them. And boy, them little fellows are just going and coming. Them little back legs will just be sacks of yellow pollen on them. And them bellies are full of nectar. That makes you smile when you see that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, when we see, occasionally we see the big bee in yeah. Arkansas, and people say, oh, that's a honey bee, and it's so much bigger than the typical. Yeah. Are the, is that the same breed, or is no, that another uh-uh. species? That's another species, I, and I don't even know if they make honey. Really? I don't. Uh, the, the, the honey bees that we use to produce honey uh, is nothing like those big bees that we're talking about. And uh, none of them are ever black. They're always a, a golden brown or, or some kind of yellow. Uh, what are some of the other types of bees that people raise? You said yours are yeah. Italian. Uh, where, where are the other the, ones from? The other one is the Russian bee is, is a really good working bee. But, boy, they got a bad attitude. They don't like people. They don't like nothing. And, but they produce a but lot they of honey. they produce a lot of honey. And some people uh, use them. Uh, I don't because of my kids and grandkids and what have you, but uh, I'll take a little less honey and a little gentler bee to produce what I want and I need. But those Russian bees, they they get it. They get the job done. And they have an accent. They buzz with the I'm, funny I'm accent. I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> what about this we heard on the news? Remember the, the murder bees yeah, or the, whatever? Yeah. What is that? That's a bee from Asia. And and it's actually a wasp and, and not a bee technically. And uh, it got brought in here uh and they're in up in Oregon and Washington State. And as far as I know, they haven't got out of those two states. Now we do have a uh we had something that went through here a couple of years ago that just about wiped out our bee population. Don't know what it was like a disease it was something that it, it, i don't but it almost devastated our bee industry would one of these murder bees actually were they deadly to humans in numbers not one not, not one, one bee. it wouldn't kill you but they're kind of like bees when they sting you they give out the pheromones and they'll be thousands if there's that many in their colony will come to that aid to that one and you're dead when that many Whoa. hits you you're, you're, you're done. 
I think they were murder hornets. Murder hornets. That, there that you was go. the name uh-huh. of them, technically. And they that's something we never want in this country. That's bad news. That's bad for everybody. And I guess this is just something they deal with in this country that you it's just a known and, thing. And, well, it's it's our appetite for imported goods. When you bring something in, it usually brings something with it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'll bring some kind of varmint. Something we <laughs> don't need. down in the, in the bottom. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. You know, and, stuff uh, like that. 